Welcome to the Classic Car Corner Podcast. We're glad you can join us today. Our guest this evening owns a Lotus Evora 400, and we're going to learn more about this car, but first, a word from our sponsor. Today's podcast is sponsored by Springdale Automotive, the next generation in car care. Locally owned, professionally operated. Whatever you drive, we service. Domestic, Euro, hybrid, electric, classics, diesel. Springdale's classic car services include maintenance, repair, and diagnostics. With four convenient neighborhood locations, how may we be of service, Jason? I'm Jason Boehner, and co-hosting today is John Lockhart and Eric Benzel. And today we welcome Mr. Randy Bowman, owner of a 2017 metallic orange Lotus Evora 400. Randy, thank you so much for joining us here tonight. We appreciate it. And uh, just wanted to first start off, uh, the question we have is, what made you pick an Evora over other sports cars in its class? Well, it's time to be here. I appreciate the uh, opportunity to be with you guys today. Sure. Uh, I've had a kind of a love affair with Lotus. I guess it goes way back to my teenage years mm-hmm. when uh, I used to watch uh, the, the F1 IndyCar type races. And uh, I didn't understand then, but I just always saw that Lotus seemed to be uh, a big name in that industry. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Lotus cars and then many of the familiar uh, drivers. Right. And uh, so I just saw how successful they were. I didn't understand uh, that they were uh, such a small company doing big things. Mm-hmm. And so the more I learned about them, the more I was interested. Gotcha. And uh, one day I was at uh, a shopping center and i saw this uh it was a lotus evora park there and uh, i thought well that's that's kind of cool i've not seen a lotus right before and i uh, got looking on the internet and doing some investigation i thought maybe i can afford one of those you know and uh so one thing led to another and i thought you know i'm going to save my pennies and nickels and dimes mm-hmm. and i'm going to buy one of these one of these days gotcha and you did and i and i did and you yep. did yep well one of the things that fascinated me about lotus was um obviously i think he was one of the uh, this is Colin Chapman mm-hmm. and um you know he wanted a lightweight vehicle he was very yep. into uh trying to uh, you know decrease the weight as compared to other cars in its class and he was i think one of the first people who actually designed some of the downforce features that you that you see and even in today's cars some of them but uh definitely on f1 i believe he was the one who uh tried to you know increase the downforce for better handling but also wanted to make it a lighter weight car no absolutely um colin chapman uh, was actually his his education. He was a uh, structural engineer in aerodynamics. Uh, excuse me, an aeronautical engineer, and he mm-hmm. served back in the RAF during World War II. Gotcha. And so he brought that uh, that idea of lightweight structures, and then he worked for actually worked for British Aluminum after the war. So now he had the materials, and he began to build chassis, okay. out very lightweight. So his his motto was simplify. Then add lightness. Oh, there we go. So okay. that, that's what he, that was, that, right. that's the, that is the Lotus ethos. Right. Okay. Yeah. Right. Right. And uh, I think I did some research on um, uh, how Lotus got its name. Now, I don't know if any of you guys know about this, but I think he called his group of people Uslot, U-S-L-O-T, which was the group of people who helped him design his first car. Well, if you have U.S. L.O.T., but you change it to L.O.T. U.S., 
you now have Lotus, which sounds a little bit better than a slot, in my opinion. But uh, that's what I think I remember reading about uh, Mr. Chapman. He died at 54 years of age. He he, he was he, he did was, yeah he yep. d- he died early. Mm-hmm. Uh, speculation was stress related. Yep. He had actually John Delorean right. had actually asked him to help with the DMC 12. 12. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, was having some money problems, and uh, it was actually built on an Elise chassis. I mean, it's 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 a modified Elise chassis, and that's what he built it on. But we're having problems with money, right. and John DeLorean. I don't know how this happened, but he got into the cocaine business and was mm-hmm. busted yep. uh, by the mm-hmm. FBI for cocaine smuggling. Right. Well, I think the stress of that, and then at that point in time. Uh, they weren't uh, Lotus wasn't doing very well with their their auto manufacturing sales were down and I think the stress related to all those things uh, got him might might have got him, got him. Yeah. gotcha gotcha so how long have you owned this car two years this week two oh, years this go. week yeah. all right mm-hmm. um, so, so tell us a little bit about some other cars that you had in your past that kind of built up to purchasing this nice Lotus. Right. I had the, my first car was a 71 Firebird and uh, I kind of jacked it up and did all the things you did back in the day oh, yeah. when put your wide craggers on the back, Absolutely. And, you know, the paint jobs and things. So sure. I, 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 I kind of love that car. That was a first love. Um, and then along the way, I've had not too many, but I've had a Mitsubishi Eclipse and uh, the 300 uh, Nissan 300. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh it's maybe not officially a sports car, but I had a XJL uh, Jaguar, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it it almost felt like a sports car. It was a sedan, but yeah. my gosh, it had nice performance. It's so a sports car. Yeah. yeah. So do you use this for your daily driver, or is this weekend or fun fun driver? It's a fun driver. Okay. Yeah. It's not a garage queen. I take it out. Uh, try to get it out once, you know, at least once a week. But it's definitely uh, it's definitely uh, fun and a you know a car and, and really a, almost a hobby i'm sure we can we'll probably get into it later but the maintenance schedule mm-hmm. is something that i'm kind of interested in mm-hmm. well as you get to, up towards those higher end cars obviously uh, you know it's probably four or five six thousand dollars a year just in maintenance oil changes and things like that it could be more so yeah i mean we'll that, get that's into actually well, well actually it's a good question because i mean here in louisville there's no i mean we're it's powered by Toyota, 3.5-liter V6. Technically, if I'm not mistaken, it's got a Camry engine in it, but they've commissioned Edelbrock to be their host for the supercharger that's on that car that gives it, it's called Lotus 400 because it packs 400 horsepower, yeah. right? Uh, the Evora 400. No, absolutely. Right, yep. Yep, it's got the, and, and this is one of the things that sold me. I know it's a, a lot of people laugh that it's got a Toyota powertrain. But Lotus has never, even in their history of racing, they never really built their own engines. They always spec'd other engines in. And uh, this is the case today, but it's the reliability. It's, it's that Toyota aspect that, that really pushed me over the edge mm-hmm. to buying a car, an exotic car. Yeah, because they're like predictable, dependable, and reliable that most people know, the, know about Toyota. So yeah. it's like, okay, yeah. made it with a, a, a nice-looking sports car. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> you, so you, you're saying they use the Camry block. I believe so. I wonder why they wouldn't use the Supra, since it's you know a sports car being the Supra size. Well, well, possibly. Well, today's Weight, Supra size, you know, today's Supra I think is a BMW. I believe. Yes, it is. Really, okay. that's mm-hmm. correct. Interesting. Yeah. So, but um, 
but that yeah, really gets me in the venus <laughs> <laughs> the the um uh, so you you've got a 3.5 liter it's a mm-hmm. mid-engine and you've and is yours a back seat does it have a back seat it does it's, okay. a, it's the only sports car of its kind of, that's a two by two okay and this goes back to chapman's idea of like wait mm-hmm. and correct me if i'm wrong here but yep. that back seat cushion is literally about an inch and a half thick and it's almost a Velcro type thing to where it doesn't have springs and all that other good stuff to help keep that car light, right? That's that's absolutely correct. It, and you can't really. There's not an adult, you know, in this world that can sit back there, right? You, if you were small, a toddler, but it's great for luggage and yep. storage. I think it sounds like a challenge. I, I think, think we absolutely the have four to have of us Jason need to try to get, get in this car. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, right, right. I mean, Jason's going to get into the back of this thing, and we're going to take a picture of it, folks. I'd we'll love wait, to, wait see to see it. what happens yeah. on Facebook. Yeah, right, right. But but to John's point, if you did buy that car, did you buy it new? Was it new? No, it was not new. It, but it's it was still under warranty. Yes. So who does Toyota warranty a Lotus? No, Lotus okay. warranties Lotus. Where's Lotus in Louisville? We don't have a Lotus right. in Louisville. Yep. Who so does maintenance for that? We well, my oil changes I do at Springdale. Yep. Mm-hmm. And they uh, they put some additives and things in there. Yeah. So I've had some other work there done as well. Okay. Um, but there's an official uh, Lotus dealer, and uh, they do all they do service all kinds of service. Uh, Gator Motorsports in Indianapolis. Okay. So okay. if you did have a malfunctioning vehicle that mm-hmm. was, uh, uh, you know, uh, immobile, mm-hmm. and does Lotus have a complimentary, hey, we'll come get your car trailer, get it fixed, or is that up to you to get it up to? In, uh, gotcha. That would be up to me. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Now it's out of warranty now. So. Oh, yeah. But I mean, mm-hmm. I, I mean, have you had problems with this car? Not. None. None. Okay. None at all. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. The, the one, I, now let me back up. I've had one little tweaky thing happen, and that's the engine light would come on, and um, uh, uh, Springdale did a diagnostics on it, and it showed that the uh, the O2 sensor was going mm-hmm. bad. And I called the, the Lotus folks uh, up at Gator, and he said, well, he said, have you been driving the car very pedestrian lately? And I said, uh, yeah, short trips and stuff. He says, he says, if you do that with the Lotus, the oxygen sensor will it'll show on the, uh, on the dash, and it did. And he said, just, he said, just take it out and stretch its legs a bit, and it'll go away. Yep, and, and did it. And it did. Yep, yep. It's just all you had to do is send it, mm-hmm. and... Uh, Oh, I cleaned it every cleaned everything up. Got all the junk out of there. If right. I had a dollar for every time a O2 sensor came on in my 25 year career, we'd be having this podcast somewhere in Bermuda. So, <laughs> just letting you know, but long story short here, um the so on the dashboard on this car. Yeah. Um you have an exhaust note exchange button, am I right? Absolutely, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? What does it do? It opens a valve up in the exhaust, uh-huh. and it makes the the car sound much more guttural. Mm-hmm. Many have said, and I have to agree, that this is the best sounding V six engine you've ever heard anywhere. Gotcha. It is. It doesn't drone on and on. It doesn't. It's not obnoxious, but it makes a beautiful noise. So much that uh, you know that I don't ever listen to the radio mm-hmm. uh, because you just enjoy listening to the sound of this engine. It's just really nice. Right. When you yep. hit that button, so that adds more crackle and pop? 
Not too or much crackle. Not really crack- it, on the downshift, you'll get some crackle and pop, but it's not, again, it's, it's not obnoxious. It's tasteful it's enough, my Tasteful. Letter. It's English tasteful. It's it's polite crackle and it's pop. It's polite. You hit a key word here, Randy, downshift. Okay, mm-hmm. so they had an automatic and they had a manual, I yeah. guess. Yours is a? Manual. Okay, mm-hmm. so its top speed then would be 186. Mm-hmm. And of that 186, how fast is Randy gone? Hypothetically speaking, of course, we always <laughs> well, uh, respect uh, our street limit uh, signs out here. Of course, right. yeah. On a track, hypothetically speaking, how fast have you seen it go? 140. Okay, right. Mm-hmm. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Tacking what? 35? Uh, no, a little bit higher than that. <laughs> okay. Right. Yeah. No, yeah, I got you. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But, uh, okay. So and it's, it's very linear. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's not, this car is not a dragster. It does not launch well. If I have a any... You know, rift on this car. It's that it it's so slow out of first gear. Now I'm not getting on it too heavy, mm-hmm. but it's it's it really you know is is a bit uh, cumbersome getting out of first. Now second and third, it's amazing, but the lit this the speed once you get about 4,500 RPM, it's it's really a Jekyll and Hyde car. It's again, it's 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 very mundane around town, but over five 4,500 RPM it really begins to become a different type car. And then, of course, when you're getting on it around corners and things, it's a, it's an animal. It mm-hmm. is an absolute beast. Very, very um, smooth, very deliberate. It's got the old school rack and pinion, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I mean, um, uh, double wishbone like gotcha. the old race cars do. Right. And uh, it, it once you get into a corner, uh, the, the suspension loads up and creates camber for you, and it just... And it loves to change direction, so it, you know, but it it turns into a very track beast type car. Yeah. But uh, lower RPM and you know just around town, it's it's very easy to get around. You yeah. Know, not too not too hard on you. That's pretty good uh, that they have it set to where if you're going to stay in the lower RPMs, you can drive it and just have a pedestrian. Yeah. Not a pedestrian, but just a a very uh, easy to handle yeah. vehicle to drive around. And then when you give it the beans. It's going to give it. It does to respond. You. Absolutely. Not a turbo type experience, but again, very deliberate, linear power. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it'll, get, it'll just keep going. It will not stop climbing and speed. Yeah. It'll just keep going. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Definitely. Uh, are the tires um, in the back larger than the ones in the mm-hmm. front? Okay. Yeah. On the front, you've got the uh, you got tw- uh, 19 inch rims. Okay. And uh, the Michelin. Uh, uh, Pilot Sport tires in the back are twenties. Uh, the inbound, the um, the front are inbound to the rear, mm-hmm. and uh, very sticky. The front, uh, the Pilot Sports are very sticky. Gotcha. Now okay. I have had a couple experiences where the back end will get away from you just a little bit. Not not so anything. It makes it fun though, right? It makes it a little fun, yeah. But um, you know, you got a little play in the back end. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Speaking about playing in the back end, let's take a moment and ask you to please check out our sponsor, G.D. Herring. G.D. Herring provides options on insuring not only your classic car, but for all of your collectibles. Please check them out at gdherring.com. And we're talking with Randy Bowman, 2017 Lotus Evora 400. And again, Randy, great to have you here. What else? Uh, so as owner, what, yeah. what more can you tell us about your your driving experiences, ownership, all that fun stuff with this car here. What I enjoy the most is the kind of the joy it brings to other people when they see it. Right. 
and in particular when kids see it. And I, I, very seldom do I park at a Kroger or, a, you know, or someplace in the, you know, on the parking lot. Very seldom does not somebody come up and want to talk about the car. Mm-hmm. And in particular, what's really enjoyable was when you know young kids or even teenagers. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I try to live by the. There's an exotic code of conduct, exotic car code of conduct that was written you know, back in the '90s, and you try to kind of follow follow that. And one of the parts of that code is that uh, you know you're blessed to have a car like this, and so you want to share it with other folks and. Um, the joy is watching other people light up and enjoy that car and, and take pictures with it and sure. get inside of it right. and inspect it and discuss it and talk about it. It's all very much, it's all fun. That's the best thing. That in the community that I've become to know mm-hmm. uh, in, you know, with the Lotus world. Gotcha. Are they, when you say that, are you talking about other supercars or exotic cars owners or is this specific Lotus owners? Typically, you know, other Lo- Lotus, Lotus, okay. Lotus folks. Gotcha. Yeah. Now, it, well, that's a good question. How mm-hmm. how many Lo- fellow Lotus owners are there in this metropolitan not, area? Not many. Okay. Um, Do you all have a club or not? Or no, not? there's okay. no official club or anything. Gotcha. All right. Um, Eric, if you wouldn't mind getting on that first thing, that'd be great. I will need the keys. <laughs> <laughs> all right. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Um, but uh, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, it's, uh, but there's a, maybe three Avoras that I know of in town. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a few Elises. Gotcha. I don't know if there is any uh, elites, but okay. uh, there's, you know, any esprits that you've seen floating around? No. <laughs> or is that a unicorn now? I would... Oh no no no! I'm sorry. The um, no, I have not seen any esprits. Yeah. It's it's been just the Elises and the uh, now the now talking about the Avora. It's mm-hmm. a very unique car. It's got wonderful styling. What are some peculiarities to it? I know that you told me to go take a look at the engine, and I went and opened up the hood, and there wasn't mm-hmm. anything there. Right. Where do you a Where do you put the engine in it? And what are some other unique things about it that you wouldn't know just by looking at it? Well, I think probably that it is a mid-engine car, uh-huh. and it, you know the it's in the back, and it, it's visible through the. I, I have the the model that has the uh, the back windshield, and so it's visible through through the windshield. Um, it's it's funny because you know there's a little, actually it's a carbon fiber, just a small. I don't know. It's maybe eight or ten inches long and eight inches wide where it opens in the front. The hood doesn't actually mm-hmm. open at all. Right. It's just that one little area where you mm-hmm. has brake fluid and washer fluid and things like that in it. So that's that's a little different uh and odd. And it's got the most cheap it's got the the, the cheapest inform um uh, information entertainment type of uh, uh infotainment setup. the infotainment, right, thank right. you. Yeah, it looks like something. Just an Alpine unit looks like you could get at Best Buy. Okay. <laughs> so they didn't put any money into that aspect of it. And yeah. the car is extremely analog. Um, again, it, there's very little electronic or computerized assistance. You mm-hmm. drive the car. and uh, Which is what that car is all about, if you ask me. Their, their motto is for the drivers. Right. No, absolutely. Know. And it is. Well, and it's you, interesting that they, that as far as the informatics, I guess, aspect of it, that you don't have at least the buttons on there to go. You got all your uh, in airplanes. They call them the steam gauges, not the glass cockpit. But you've got all the gauges that are all mechanical. It's all mechanical relays. You might have some hydraulic dampers on there, but that's it's. You feel it. Everything's feel. But you can hit the buttons and go. All right, let me see. Uh, let me do a lap speed. Let me do a time. Let me see what my average insert factor here. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah. That I mean, they have that on Jeeps. That kind of information on Jeeps. So it's interesting yeah. on pickup trucks. So, so it's very limited on what they have on the Avora. Yeah. No, it's very limited. Uh, very simple dials, mm-hmm. which I like. I don't like to be jabbing. I, I know I love my Jag, but it was constantly jabbing, you know, at the at the screen to try to right. get information. But yeah. this is just simple, simple dials. It's 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 almost laughable to some extent. Uh, nice interior though, very nice leather and Alcantara if you like that. So not a bad place to be. But you know, these dials and all that, you know, very simple. Some would call them cheap. I don't know if they're cheap. No, cheap, I go cheap. I think it takes you back to just the the passion of driving it. It, it really does. Some compare it to an old. Uh, uh, I think Matt uh, Farah who did a a uh, a show on this a couple of times on the. He loves these Lotuses. He, he fell, fell in love one with one after he drove the Evora 400, and uh, but he said that it reminds me reminds him of the NSX mm-hmm. oh, before it got too right. yeah too fancy. So what? it's got a little funky uh, spoiler on the back. Mm-hmm. It's a little unique. Yeah, uh, I'm looking at the back end, and yeah. you know, do you notice like extra downforce mm-hmm. or when you're when you're really tracking the car you're you're really getting on it good does it really help do you notice a difference I, as I th- opposed to other cars that you've driven uh does it make that big of a difference yes i believe it does the car is very is really planted and all the intakes on that car if you if you look at the very front it's got all the front intakes well mm-hmm. it, all, the, the air goes through that and through the uh and through the radiator it comes up on the top of the hood there right past the the, the front windshield there what looks like intakes, but actually the air is flowing through the front of that car, up and out, out of those intakes, up over the top of the car, and then part of the air goes down underneath the rear wing, and a part of it goes up, and so it creates, uh, they say, 150 pounds of downforce. I can't remember gotcha. exactly what speed. That's pretty interesting because mm-hmm. you know we mentioned F1 earlier. Yeah, a lot of F1 cars. That's exactly how. They keep glued to the ground. Oh yeah, not to mention. Oh sure, with all the, the weight and things. And the rear end of this car actually is little Ferrari esque <laughs> with it's the cool. uh, the round the uh, round, taillights. The round uh, taillights. And all. It looks really yeah. cool. Uh, yeah. Well, well, along with what he said about the spoiler, mm-hmm. this car also has a diffuser, right? Mm-hmm. So, so you got this the shroud underneath the vehicle. Yes, and that's also to help. With downforce too, right? Yeah, and, no, and, absolutely. It, uh, yep. So, and I don't know if I've driven a car with a diffuser, or maybe I have, maybe I haven't. I don't know. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, do you know much about it or why? They- yeah, no. It. Uh, I just know that when Springdale uh, does a oil change, they have to go through the trouble of, of okay. taking that off. Gotcha. But it is from front to back. It's not just. Right. It, it. It's. It's flat all the way across. I the got bottom. you. Okay. Okay. And uh, gotcha. You know. Um, John brought up that you know the the F1 aspect, and this was one of the the um, the innovations that Colin Chapman and Team Lotus brought to F1 racing, and that was aerodynamics. The mm-hmm. front wings, the rear, um, you know, spoiler in the back. The basic the basic structure and look of an F1 car today. The, for instance, Lotus was the first to, to move that engine from the front to behind the driver. And were the first to win an Indy uh, 500 with that configuration. They were the first to use all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So many would argue that they have had the greatest impact uh, on F1 racing um, historically. That's that's cool. Yeah. 
Now, is that uh, does it come with a removable top? No, sir. It is a, in coupe. British terms, it is the coupe. Okay. Coupe. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's got the um, the boot in the back. You know where they can store things right behind the engine. Yeah, that, that yeah. So if you yeah. if you went up to the store and got a carton of milk when yeah. you pop that hood, you're seeing the whole engine right there, staring yep. right at you, you and then pop, you yep. you get that little area that you just put milk you, in. Where you go? That's right. right. They say you can yeah. put a a, um, a set of golf clubs in there. Okay. I don't know if it's quite that big. Yeah, I'm not a golfer, right. so I don't know. Yeah, but it's you know it's good enough size where you can put the milk and the groceries back there right gotcha. but it should be warm, warm milk <laughs> it gets warm. Yeah, exactly. yes, sir. Yeah, that's right yeah. yeah it does that's funny it'll keep your uh, uh broasted chicken warm but <laughs> yeah. you don't put your ice cream back yeah, there. right right that's funny yep now do any of your cars have a wing on because i noticed that it seems that there's a trend coming back for putting wings on the back of cars and mm-hmm. that has your the uh evora has function to it it actually mm-hmm. performs where you see these other things that look like park benches aluminum strap to the back <laughs> right. of a deck lid i'm like that's going to just slow your slow it down give you bad gas mileage and it's just why but anything else that you have that you want to would you put a wing on the jag i mean that <laughs> i saw a somebody installed a wing on a mitsub i mean on a uh, maserati sedan Oh, I saw that in a parking lot here not too long. And, and no offense, I just right. thought it was to whomever drive, is driving yep. that Maserati, but yep. I, I just thought that was very unique. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. I've actually seen that car driving around town as well. Oh, have you? Yep. Very odd looking. Is that a, yeah. Is it a Quattroporte? Is that what it is? Mm. Nah, I don't know. Well, G- a Ghibli? Yeah, maybe. Who knows? I don't know. Um, so, is your car signed by the person who built it? Yes. And is it on the dash or inside the car? It's on the. It's on the. There's on the dash. Just on the on the uh, passenger side. There's a little label there. It's a metal label, but it says uh, uh, "hand built in England." Mm-hmm. And b- underneath it gives the name of that person. I guess it was responsible for the oversight of the building because all these cars are handmade in Hethel, England. Um, and it was a mauling or something like that. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's hard to read as script. But um, yeah, so it's a it's a hand built car. Very cool. Yep. Um, Evora, the name. I thought this was kind of neat. It says um, Evora is derived from words evolution, mm-hmm. vogue, and aura. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, and they uh, let's see here. As most all models, okay, and they all mm-hmm. start with E. Yeah. So you've got your uh, Exige, Evora, mm-hmm. Elite. Uh, yeah, they, there was, the first was the Elan, yeah, Elan with, which yeah, was right. the, you know, sports car that they built, mm-hmm. and uh, Gordon Murphy, in fact, built his F1 car on that, on that chassis. Oh, wow. And, uh, but anyway, then there was the, Afor, the, 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 the Upera, is that it? I can't. I don't know. But then the Elise and Exige, then the Evora, and uh, now the Evora is retired, so they're bringing out what's the Amira. It's it is coming out. Uh, in fact, you could put a deposit on one now if you want one. Is that it's right? coming out next year. It's called the what? Emira. E M I R A. Okay. And then they're all new, all electric Evaya. Uh, which is the most powerful production car ever made, 2,000 horsepower. Wow. Good night. I saw it at the uh, Automobilia, Automobilia okay. up in Car- Carmel, Indiana, yeah. mm-hmm. this past summer. 
it was the queen of the ball. And I mean, everything in the world was there. 700 cars and everything you can imagine was there. But when that Ivaya came down the street, I mean, it was awe-inspiring. And An is amazing it, car. And is that uh, electric? It's all electric. So did you see it? horsepower, or, you step or, on it, and it goes, <laughs> Right? It's, just, right. it's, it's like all you 100 hear. miles. Right. It's, like right. a, it's like the old school Tyco cars. Yeah, you reel just, it back. And they're like flying off the track. <laughs> yeah. That's right. It, it zips well, right into the next charger. Well, they're, they're putting resonators, elect, electronic resonators in those cars to make it have the soul mm-hmm. of an internal combustion engine. Am I right? On, on, or, or, I don't know. Well, that well I know I, some, I know some electric cars have, I, I would yeah. assume that Lotus would probably have that feature. This one was as quiet as I got a you. mouse. Right. I mean, he, I, it's I a mean, baseball that, card in the spokes, Jason. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> there you go. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You know, we talked about the exhaust note earlier, which, you know, is a fun thing about cars. Everybody loves that. Or most people oh, love sure, that yeah, right. rumble, mm-hmm. the horsepower rumble. Yeah. yeah. But you know, you throw two hundred horse, two thousand horsepower in a silent. You know, something to be said like that too. Because are you in space, like whipping <laughs> through? Because everything's silent, right? You know, with electric cars, it, you know they always have all the bells and whistles and the lighting and the special yeah, effects inside the car. It's it's probably going to be a lot more elaborate. Uh, interior than than what's in the Evora. Yeah, it's I would I would assume I haven't seen it, but very futuristic looking. Yeah, most of the electric yeah. cars are, mm-hmm. and you know I don't know if I would want that sound out of that car. Right. If that if I'm mm-hmm. the buyer mm-hmm. for two and a half million right. per copy, is that what they're going yeah. for? Yeah, oh there's gosh. 130 they're making. Okay. Okay. Inflation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Wow. Account for inflation. Here. Inflation. Yeah. Right. It was about one and a half million, but it had to go up to two. Yeah, I just I would love to just be in a straight line, <laughs> yeah, zero to whatever. Oh right. As, I wonder how fast that car goes. So well, 2000 if it's power. a lightweight car, which Lotus is known for, and you pack two, I mean, it has to be close horse- to three hundred uh, horsepower. I mean, three hundred miles, miles per hour. hour. Oh, I, I would think so. That's easily. a salt flat. I mean, easily. All oh, right, that's a salt yeah. flat. You car. can keep it on the ground and mm-hmm. keep it straight. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. No, just a lot of fun. And then, in fact, Evora is going there. That's all electric cars after the Amira. The Amira is the last is going to be the last combustion car they make. Um, so that's it. Because Geely bought them. Yep, that's right. That's and right. Yeah. the good news is they have a large infusion of cash. The bad news bad news is the Evora legacy and mm-hmm. gotcha. culture is changing somewhat right yeah it is you know. that is well, I, th- I think mr benzel has one last i've got question a couple for questions here oh a couple okay. so we've got two questions for you one the evora has been discussed there's a discussion about it being a supercar where in the discussion do you sit on it you are an owner mm-hmm. your opinion matters more than somebody who doesn't own one i think but it counts so where do you sit on that because someone mm-hmm. would say a supercar would be what uh Daihatsu, uh, Volkswagen Rabbit. No, oh, we're yeah, talking. Right, this guy. I mean, we're uh, talking uh, F like uh, LaFerrari. Uh, let's see. Bugatti Veyron. Mm-hmm. You yep. know, we're uh, GT3. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So where where do you yeah. sit on it? Because it. I mean, the horse four hundred horsepower. Yeah. Come on. You know, it's got the feel of a supercar um, in the way it, it in the way it looks. And the way it handles, there is no question. They they call this. I've, Matt Farah, for instance, says you cannot buy a car out there anywhere, any kind of car, 
that handles any better than this. It is one of the best handling cars and braking cars in the world. Now, that would give it some supercar qualities. However, I think where it lacks that, uh, that mark is in, it, in the power. Now, Lotus has never been about all power. They've been about power-to-weight ratio. But I still think it's underpowered. So the 400 and mine's uh, dynoed at 409, I think, that what, I think that's what, what would limit that supercar label for, mm-hmm. for this car. Uh, and then also maybe some of the fit and finish aspects of it. But, um, but otherwise... I think it would pass, you know, mm-hmm. for one. Let's just call it a junior supercar. There we go. Or an yeah. entry-level supercar. Yeah. But at a third of the price of a normal supercar. But cool as hell, too. But cool. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and yeah. it's, it's one junior supercar I would love to take for a spin. Yeah, right, That's right. for sure. Yeah. No, it's, it's a cool. beautiful ride. Yeah, absolutely. Supret. Yep. Um, and, and most importantly... So let's dig into your history here, little Randy. When mm-hmm. you went and got your driver's license test, and when you took that driver's test, what car did you drive? I think it was a Rambler. A Rambler. Wow. My grandmother had a push-button Rambler. Okay. That, I'm giving my way age away a little bit now, but it was a push-button Rambler, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're our first guest who has That's said a Rambler. First Rambler. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Mario Andretti had a Ford, and Wayne mm-hmm. Creaney was a Buick. Is that right? It was a, it was a, a 40s Buick. Yeah. Convertible. Okay. Mm-hmm. A Rambler. Very cool. Yep. Very cool. Yep. Ah, that had to be great for parallel parking. You said no one ever. <laughs> you, you had to be pretty strong, I, best I can remember, to turn that wheel right. in. Right. Well, I'd sit oh. still, you know. I'll be darned. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, any any last-minute uh, comments there, Randy? Or? No, if anybody's interested in in, in the looking at a Lotus, they're, they're, they're pretty rare, and they are uh, not easy to find right now. But I would uh, encourage you to look at them, Mira. Uh, they're going to, you know, they're going to try to bring more of those out. But just go and look at the history of Lotus and what they accomplished. Again, the David and Goliath type story of uh, a lot of wit and spunk and uh, some luck. But a a car company, very small, but has made a tremendous impact on mm. the automotive history and continue to through Lotus Engineering. Um, for instance, the I see a... Uh, model of that uh, that new Corvette there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lotus Engineering helped GM develop the mid-engine car for the Corvette. Uh, so gotcha. anyway, just yep. the more you look at Lotus, the more you'll enjoy, I think, the history of it. Gotcha. Well, Randy, uh, this has been a fun and informative discussion and a pleasure to have spoken with you tonight. Thank you so much for being here with us, that's for sure. Uh, and for our listeners of the podcast, like us on Facebook and Instagram, subscribe so you're notified of new shows, and please leave us a review. Uh, remember to check out our website, uh, www.theclassiccarcorner.com. If you or someone you know would like to join in on our podcast, please reach out to us as we are always delighted to talk with them. Um, if you're looking to get your classic car appraised or need any purchase inspections done on any car of interest, uh, I'd welcome the opportunity to help you out. My contact information is jason at gdhearing.com. Um, and uh, thank you guys for listening here. Happy motoring from your friends here at the Classic Car Corner Podcast.